and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. In the blue corner, representing Don't Nod Entertainment and Life is Strange, wearing plaid and blue hair dye, the plucky time traveler and her badass bestie, Max and Chloe. And in the red corner, representing Telltale Games, Gearbox, and Tales from the Borderlands, wearing cyborg implants and a snappy hat, the corporate lackey and the lovely con artist, Reese and Fiona. Let's get ready to just talk about some games. That was like the highlight of my day, working on that. The that, five minutes it took to do that, that was the was highlights amazing. of my day. Oh, my God. Oh, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. Honest question. How many takes? Two. Wow. But only because the first one I did it and... Again, if I've got enough painkillers in me and it's a hard day, my voice is too scratchy for it. So when I was trying to do the really loud things and just bellow, which I know I can bellow, it was just coming off too scratchy. So I recorded it and I didn't even record the whole thing. I went, no, I can't do it. Forget it. So I just erased it and I erased my little notes and then I went script. And then later on in the day, I said, no, no, this is going to be far too serious a discussion at points. <laughs> we need to start off light and have some fun. So I tried it again. This is far from perfect, but it was fun. In five minutes, I don't care. <laughs> so, yes, we are going to be talking about both of these games. We have a lot to say about both of these games. Anybody who follows our podcast knows that we have talked about every single episode of every single, or both of these, these games and for the most part have had nothing but praise from too. So when both of these games came out on Tuesday of last week, you better believe that we were going to be playing them immediately. I played Life is Strange on Tuesday night and on Wednesday night I played Tales from the Borderlands. And it was quite the experience having both of those games and at the same time because they've held so much of our attention and, and affections for so long now. And that's the beauty of episodic content when it is done right. Now, before we start anything, the obvious thing here is there will be spoilers. In fact, there will be all of the spoilers. We are going to be going over everything about both of these games and comparing them and talking quite honestly about what we feel they did right and did not do right. Did they stick the landing or not? If you've not played these games and have any attention, uh, if you have an intention of playing it, then maybe wait to listen to this episode or depending on which one you are planning on playing, skip ahead or not. We are going to be starting with Life is Strange and then moving on to Tales from the Borderlands. So you've been warned. That's it. Life is Strange crushed me. <laughs> <laughs> I am a changed man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, I will say right from the get-go, and like I said, we're going to take some time as we're going along to, to do the old comparison as well. But because of the order in which I played them 
And because of the pacing of both of them, and also this type of game that it is, I played through Life is Strange. And again, I wanted to make sure to get these through because of fucking social media. Because I know damn well that I'm either going to be completely off of social media for days at a time, or I'll just play them that way it's safe because you know everybody's going to spoil shit. Oh, dude, I had filters on everything. Oh, even then, you can't catch everything. But the, the thing that I'm getting at is, again... All I'm hearing about is that Tales from the Borderlands game of the year. And people are like saying it is unbelievable. So I'm playing through Life is Strange and that blew me away. And then I play through the next day, Tales of the Borderlands. And again, been a huge fan of this game. But I never saw it in such a way that it could fit as a game of the year. It's not like a, a, mm-hmm. a walking dead that hits you so bloody hard or even fables. This was completely different. So I, I didn't see how that would fit. And then I started playing it and the first bit, in my opinion, there's a few moments where you're like, Ooh, that, that was right in the field there. But overall you're thinking, okay. And it seems to be going pretty fast, but then it just freaking keeps going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still don't feel that it's a, it's a deserving of a best of the year. I, the years. I'll go I, so far as to say it's my second favorite game of the year. Right. Guess what? Number one. Yeah. <laughs> but then meanwhile, my experience with life is strange was the entirety of that final episode blew me away beginning to end and all of the little things that you find throughout. Now, this is something that we talked about before how different episodes of, of life is strange were really improving on the formula that telltale has created and to the point of doing it significantly better in some ways. And as a final episode, before we start in on life is strange, I'll, did you feel that which ones did you guys feel stuck that ending better and taking into consideration to the type of game it is and, and all of that jazz joe what did you think tales from the borderland had a better ending in my opinion okay vince uh i'd say tales from the borderlands had a better climax but as far as a resolution to the overall series i have to give it to life is strange okay Okay. Well, my opinion is clear again, and that's not taking anything away from Tales from the Borderlands, obviously, but in terms of the emotional impact that it had as well, there was just something about life is strange. And it was one of those things wherein the more you dive into it and the more you kind of analyze different things about it, it really took you on a ride in a way that fit the subject matter and was original at the same time. And, you know, it's not something that you see all the time. Whereas a lot of Tales from the Borderlands was formulaic, of course. Very well done formulaic, but formulaic nonetheless. Whereas when you're looking at a lot of the really trippy fucking shit that happens at points (laughs) in Life is Strange, you're like, wow, this like it, it's confusing the hell out of me. I'm, I'm, I'm feel, I feel it coming through me. And then you have the moments where Max is tied down and whatnot. And you as the player actually have that feeling of discomfort and tension and needing to find the resolution before you get killed off. Like, 
now kind of thing. And that's something that I noticed as I was watching the stream as well of a, somebody else playing it. It's, it's, that's impactful when you can have a game accomplish that. I would agree. Like the, the opening beats of, of episode five are phenomenal. Uh, the emotions that it elicits from you carries right over from the end of four perfectly. It really, really does. You were in a situation where, I mean, even as a player, I'm frantically trying to figure out how the hell I get out of this damn situation alive. Like, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do half the time, and I'm rewinding, going back, and trying different things. And it was that feeling of of, of almost near helplessness that really drove home the point. And it was such a, a powerful scene all the way through the end of that that one sequence they did a fantastic job with there with that entire that entire setup the entire feelings of it the 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 atmosphere of it the character reactions and the resolution uh of that sequence was phenomenal it was really well done and by the end of it i had to take a break like i literally had to like you know what i need to get up i need to walk away that was a little bit intense that was absolutely <laughs> insane. I don't know if you guys read my tweets. I sat down to play this on Tuesday night, and it had been already a rough day. You guys know what I'm talking about already. Oh, yeah. And so my wife went to bed, and uh, and as it is, I'm not feeling best. So I've got painkillers in me. i got some wine. And I thought, I'm going to sit down and play Life is Strange Episode 5. I know what I'm getting into. I need my comfort food. So I made me some Eggos. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting down on my chair. I got my feet up and some ice on them. And then, uh, and then I got my Eggos and I'm eating my waffles while I'm playing because comfort food. <laughs> Life is strange. And then as I'm getting towards the end of the game, <laughs> I'm sitting there and it's a dramatic moment. And you're like, oh, crap. In the back of my head, though, I'm thinking, I'm going to need more Eggos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alicia texted me the next morning. Why does Roger want ego? <laughs> so wait a minute. Are we going to start judging games based off of how, how many, many egos, egos they require to get through them emotionally? Because I'm okay with this. This, this is a 12 ego game. Yeah. Wait till I try Rise of the Tomb Raider. <laughs> it's going to be our version of Hot Pepper Gaming. <laughs> That'll be our symbol. There'll be an ego. For <laughs> this game, number. we're going with brown sugar and cinnamon. <laughs> Oh, man. But it was hysterical. <laughs> Anyways, let's start from the top. And this is actually going to be a little different based on some of the choices that you made, I saw. Because you wake up and you are strapped to the chair in the dark room. And right from the get-go, even before you see yourself in the chair, there's kind of haunting music. And you're seeing the different parts of the dark room coming into focus and you're seeing the different, be it the cameras, the camera stands and things like that. And immediately I'm thinking, oh God, be careful. Don't nod. Just please, please They've be careful. They've been on a razor's edge this whole time. Yeah. And <laughs> it's easy for a man to say they did good by it and I'm all right with it. And and that's that's true. There's a lot of women who've been through hell who would be well within their rights, obviously just disagree with me, but I've been around shit for my entire life and a lot of bad shit. So for me to say personally that I'm looking at this thing, they did all right. They really, really pushed the envelope. Really, really so, pushed it. There's the, I mean, there's scenes where, and this is something we've talked about, about actually on the podcast as well on the, uh, our movie podcast, wherein you can allude to, 
different types of assaults without showing it. And it's just as gripping and just as powerful and frightening. And like, there's a scene at one point where Jefferson is posing Max and just before he's dosing her and what the shot shows is not her being dosed, not him with his hands on her, but her legs moving and then his shadow walking away. And that was scary as shit. That was, that was far creepier than, than actually what, showing. Exactly. So it's it's that fine line. And, and immediately from the get-go, I was that's what was in the back of my, my mind the whole time. So without getting into too many details, for personal reasons, that entire sequence caused me to have a panic attack. Right. No joke. Like, it's... Yeah, but explain that though. That line, they they definitely crossed over that line, even with the default. Like, not in a. I'm not saying it's going to be bad for everybody else, but anybody who's had any sort of experience, even close to something like that, you're going to feel it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. It is deep down in the bowels of. Let me explain it a different way, if I may. What I'm saying is that I think that they did not exploit the situation for Mm -hmm. the sake of. Okay, yes, that I will agree with. That's what I mean. And that's huge for me. Because, again, you can show these dark moments in humanity, things that happen, and you can sh- you can allude to it and show it and play with it without using it as a means of just titillating your audience and stupid shit like that kind of thing. So it was never for that. And so in that regard, I thought it was well done. And depending on certain choices that you made, Certain, especially dialogue choices that came up, like, were far different. And that's something that I noticed when I was listening to somebody else's playthrough as opposed to mine. Like, Jefferson in in that other playthrough was downright vulgar at points with her, which I didn't get in mine. I had the psychotic going from rage to calm yeah. swarmy but i didn't have him calling her a cunt and things like that oh no oh yeah yeah so no, one of the playthroughs yeah. yeah that's what he was doing and i guess was, maybe if you kind mine, of sell him out to the principal or stuff he's a little less um i don't pleasant. know mine was he was uh alluding to wanting to have tried to have recruited me as his protege not nathan yeah she she was she, i didn't uh, see she, he was for me he was just angry that max had like wasted her potential and this oh, was yeah. his way of you know at least getting some reasonable artwork out of it. Like it was creepy as hell, but it, it wasn't anything, like you said, it wasn't vulgar. For oh me. yeah, no, there was it. Like for, he was, he, he was talking about, um, what was it? Kate and Victoria that mm-hmm. making out and stuff like that. And then he calls her a stupid cunt and you're going like, this was not mm-hmm. in my playthrough, but it shows that again, your choices certainly did have a huge impact on where the story is going to take you or, or, or the, the feel that you get from the story, because those things, again, having done my playthrough and then watching this other one, even just watching somebody else go through it, you're like, Whoa, that really changes a scene dramatically. So you do have her strapped to the chair and depending on how it went with Victoria, She's either you're either in that room alone or Victoria is dosed on the ground beside you. Did either of you guys have Victoria there? No, no, I had warned her I, sufficiently so she was not there. See, I don't know how that because I, I know like I've read that, you know, if if you warn Victoria about Nathan, she'll go to Jefferson for help. And that's when he snags her. But exactly. Like, I, I know we all had like different variations on that. <laughs> 
There's also a way a sequence though where even if you wake up with her next to you, you can still get it to a point where she you can correct it, quote unquote, where she's not there. Well, okay, the one that I watch when you eventually come back, she's not there, but that's because he killed her off. And he says so as much when he's talking to her. So even I didn't see that happen. Because for me, she wasn't there. So I didn't even get to see that. And so when I was watching this other playthrough, it was like, whoa, that's awesome. Like, not awesome, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, holy crap, that's, I never would have seen that coming kind of thing. And so then she's trying to talk to her. Later on, you get more conversation with her, which was was really cool and and really showed Max in a, a very... Uh, a much more badass light and, and it was well done. So while you're here and you're strapped in and you're feeling it too, and you've got that sense of urgency that you have to hurry up and get the hell out before he gets back and you get your foot loose and then you manage to pull the tray over. And then of course there's the picture there. And so then you're starting to, to think about going back to that time. And it's a picture earlier of him taking pictures of her while she's dosed and she figures she'll go back to see what happened. And he's like, Oh God, is that really a good idea? <laughs> no, no, it really <laughs> is not a good idea, but she does. She goes back to the point where she's drugged on the, uh, on the, the, the stage, whatever you want to call it. And, and Jefferson's Jefferson's monologuing. <laughs> I thought of that too. I, I know it's not, good to be laughing at this point, but I thought the same thing when I was playing tales from the border and later as like Jack's monologuing, <laughs> you guys watch too many Pixar movies, but, uh, but you get a ton of the story from then Jefferson, who's basically answering any conspiracy theories that anybody had throughout these four episodes that have gone by. He's pretty much setting straight exactly what happened and admitting to being a father figure to Nathan and things like that. And using Nathan for the family fortune to build the the bunker. And it kind of put to rest a lot of the theories going forward. And we find out a little bit more kind of later on when she encounters and talks to Warren at the very end of the game. And that shattered all theories. I saw two different playthroughs and I don't know Mm -hmm. how many more there are. But like basically everything you two guys guessed... And then oh, we talked we'll, about we'll come back around to Warren at the end. I, I have some interesting kind of observations on his story arc. Right. But yeah, it was I thought that and it's odd. It's an odd statement to say, knowing the, the serious and gravity of, of what actually is happening. But in terms of storytelling, it felt very much like they took the safest, most probable route for what would happen. So there was, even though you have this Twin Peaks-esque story about time travel, there was no red herring or any kind of thing going forward about anybody else maybe who can time travel or different things like that. It was all pretty formulaic. I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but it certainly, I felt as the story went forward, was safe. It was really safe. And I also had a, a, a bit of a problem with her interaction with Warren. Uh, in so much as there is, I don't know about if this was different for you guys, 
Um, there was zero. I chose to tell him, like, be honest with him and completely upfront. Zero skepticism. There was no yeah, question. Yeah. It was just like, mm-hmm. whatever you say is correct, Max. And I'm just like, wait, what? What fucking really? Yeah, we'll get to that later. But yes, no, I agree. I agree. That was the the one point of the story that I actually thought was very poorly handled. Actually, I, I got a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so back to the chair, and she's talking to Victoria and whatnot, and she is again, uh, at this point, she's trying to get Victoria to help her. Victoria is still dosed. She can't get out. The The playthrough that I watched at this point, Kate had survived, and she was actually in the hospital. So again, yet another different twist there that I don't know how the hell she would wind up in the hospital, but apparently that's something that happens. And then back to yet another past where she appears to be more clear-headed she says and says in the the photograph when looking at the photograph so going back to that point again so she's back in the chair and yet more monologuing from jefferson who's explaining the reason why he does this and how he wants to capture essentially that moment where innocence is lost kind of thing a little cheesy but he's a psychopath who who might judge and then talking yet more about Nathan and his role with Nathan. Nathan, And it's at this point he explains as well how it's Nathan who killed Rachel because he was overzealous with the drugs. And and so it goes on from there. It's, one, it's, it's just so creepy and uncomfortable. But yep. I, I do like that they used, and all throughout this episode, the, the photographs as the main like narrative uh, hook. Because it came so out of nowhere in episode three and then was never quite used again that I think it was a good decision by them design-wise to really wrap that back around and make that then kind of the most important weapon in Max's arsenal because rewinding is only going to get you so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then she spots her diary and basically you have to get him to toss the diary in. And then the picture is there from the very first selfie that she takes when you start the game. And so you have the opportunity to go back pretty far to try to rectify a lot of wrongs. The thing that I found, once again, that it was so well done is that feeling that you have when you are in that chair. And at this point, you haven't even gotten your leg free. When she's like, sorry, when she wakes up back in the past, she's like, oh, God, I have to listen to this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this lecture again. I felt the exact same way. But... And the the looking around trying to find something that you can use, whatever, and then when you find that diary, it's that immediate ah, okay, I know there'll be there'll have to be a picture there that I can use, and so he tosses it down. I thought that again that was a looking trive, but tosses it down, and then she basically goes back to the very very start of the game, and I like this. I like that twist of going back, having the knowledge of all those episodes now, and everything that's transpired, and how everyone should be treated as well. So that loop back really was insanely effective, and it's funny because at one point he talks to when you go yet back again to the chair, about how she's changed and she just that last week has made such a difference in her personality. And it's something that you feel when you are you go back then that you're not the same character, even if you've been RPing her kind of like I have, because I've been trying to stay fairly true to whatever choices I feel that character would make and coming back after that with all of that knowledge and knowing he's going down 
before he kills Chloe, before anything happens to Kate, all of these things. And she was cocky as hell with him. <laughs> and it was fantastic. <laughs> I love that. And the entire thing, walking around the room and looking at the different things, talking to Kate, the very nice tender moment between them uh, as all well. All the stuff with Kate. Not, not just that moment, but it, the replay of you know Victoria and Taylor picking on her. That hit me so much harder this time around because you know now we know the end game of that particular storyline. See, I didn't even see that. Oh yeah, when they're like throwing paper at her and okay, that yes, okay, yeah, yeah. So she basically talks to Jefferson, gives him the photo to enter the the contest, and it's the photo, the iconic one of her standing in front of the wall that has all of the the pictures that she's taken, and then basically time starts to do its little thing. And this is a, a mechanic that we then see throughout the episode as time is really malleable here. And the choices that she's making, it's showing you photographs of what you saw happen and what now happens. And this is something that goes throughout the the episode because there's so many changes that are made. And I thought that once again, especially once you get to later when things start to go horribly wrong and the, the time streams are kind of like going a little wonky and things like that and with her brain as well. I thought that was such an effective way of getting that not just sense of urgency, but uh, of the gravity of the situation and what it's doing to her as well. And it, I, again, I thought it, it worked really well. So she then winds up heading to San Francisco this time with Principal Wells because you find out when you're looking at the pictures that she did, in fact, bust Jefferson. And she refers to it kind of like she has to be careful because she's in between times. So even she's seen that this basically alternate timelines mm -hmm. and that she's kind of really has to be careful in what she does. And then they go to the the gallery where her picture is hanging for that everyday heroes competition that they were, that they were having. That's what this is all about. And you can wander around and do a lot of looking, listening to people and looking at different pictures and whatnot. And again, it's one of those for the, the people who really like to see all the little Easter eggs that are hidden all over the place and check everything. There's a lot there. <laughs> and it's, I spent a lot of time just looking at the art gallery. Yeah. It's going to take you a while. Plus, Case in point, just that, yeah. There's like really, there's actually some cool photographs there. You go, yes, like, there are. that was actually <laughs> really cool. I have to say though, like as great of an image as Max's picture is, there are better ones. Well, that too, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't ring as everyday hero to me in any way. <laughs> she busted Jefferson. She didn't take credit <laughs> for it, so that wasn't the basis that the picture was being judged on. Okay, well, semantics. I actually Just saying, really, it's yeah. a great, great photo, but doesn't really qualify for the competition in my eyes. Maybe all of those pictures are of other people and she's a hero for cataloging all of them. Maybe. Ha ha. ha or maybe ha. Jefferson picked it before he got, you know, canned and everything was set in stone. That's possible as well. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so her picture is there. Did you guys actually go and talk to the people before or after the call from Chloe? Uh, before, I think. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, because after the call from Chloe, I was like, I get, let's go, we gotta get out of here, yeah, because the when I played it through, I kind of looked around a lot, and so I got to talk to the people who were talking about it, and then she has that feeling of, you know, 
I made it. This is this is huge kind of thing. And I'm glad I got that. But then when I watched the other person play through it, they did not have that. They didn't even get to see their picture. They were looking around wondering what they should do when they got the call. <laughs> Meanwhile, as soon as I got the call, I guess I'm going back to my picture. <laughs> so by that time, I was an old hand at looking for old pictures that I'd taken. <laughs> but I, again, you get that call that the tornado is on its way. It's ripping apart Arcadia Bay. And she, she's like, okay, I got to do something. And before she hangs up, I'm like, okay, we're going back to the picture. Obviously that's, mm-hmm. that's what this is. It's, it, it never felt forced to me. I can see how maybe somebody would think that it is, but it wasn't, it was just perfectly timed story elements converging together and that's what a lot of this story has been yeah it's it okay you're comfortable now now let's fuck with you yeah yeah so you head back to the um the the point where you are taking that photo in your room which is still early on and this is i i thought this was brilliant because once again she's like She's fucking with reality. She's with the time strain and it's just not going to go well. And her idea of how to prevent herself from winning the contest and going from San Francisco to San Francisco and not being there when the tornado is going to hit is to get rid of the picture. So she gets rid of the picture. And then once again, time goes all flaky Mm -hmm. there for a while and back in the chair. That was that was the moment I was like, no, no, no anywhere but back in this <laughs> fucking chair but it, I mean, it's it's a good logical look at what that one change would make exactly it's, it's not that she wouldn't go to san francisco it's that she never would have gone back in time in the first place mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot that goes on there that again anybody who's really a, a fan of of any kind of show that uses time displacement as a mechanic kind of thing if done properly, it's those butterfly wing effects again, we're in, it really doesn't take a lot to really screw things up. And you would think that you've learned from the ones that you've screwed up, but something else is going to happen throughout. So this is where now she inquires for the playthrough that I saw about Victoria. And he's saying, yeah, she outlived her usefulness and she's gone. And he killed her off. And it was like, he, he burnt her pictures as well, her diary. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah. Oh, Man, and that's like the panic and is now, setting that, in. Yeah, you're like, I'm screwed now. Yeah. What's what's left? And this was a point where initially I was like, eh. Because once again, we have to look at reality. The, re- this, the very, very sad reality is that things like this, things literally like this happen with psychotic people abducting women. So, and, and men, but for the sake of this story here, women Mm -hmm. and so the idea of here's a man that's going to come and rescue her which is something we've talked about with prior episodes of this very series and still again i I go back to yeah but even she's a badass when she needs to be and she's saving people and and i'm all right with that but but when david shows up i'm like oh fuck she's being rescued but then it winds up that no no she's the one that's rescuing him because Mm -hmm. otherwise in damn near every reality he dies david dies a a lot lot of rewinding in that scene (laughs) it was the last one for me it was my last choice and it just happened that i moved the the joystick over and i was like the cable the hell's the cable gonna do i was like ah 
So, yeah. But apparently there's actually an even better way to play that scene out where David doesn't get a scratch. How? I don't know, because there was a really low percentage on that on PS4. <laughs> okay, because I did not... I- it's it's possible, but I could I have no idea how. Okay, because I was telling him, pick up the camera, pick up the bottle, pick up this, keep yeah. the table. <laughs> Dude, listen, I'll give him that much. <laughs> <laughs> he's a soldier, you know. He's yep. used to following orders. But uh, but yeah, finally, he but he winds up taking Jefferson down. Now the big question, of course, is: Did you guys tell him the truth about Chloe or not? Hell no. I did, but then I rewound and lied. Oh, okay. See, I did, and I did not bother rewinding after. Now, there's two reasons for this. For that. A, I actually, I knew liked is the wrong term, mm-hmm. but it was a powerful moment. Oh, yes. And I wanted that. And I could not imagine that it would be as powerful in that moment with the choice of lying to him so that Jefferson lives. Maybe down the road there'd be something, but as it turns out, there isn't. So here, here's my thought on it when I got to that point, and I'm thinking of it from the point of view of Max. I've taken literally everything from this man. I have, I have. You I said have you're been, sorry. No, I have, I, have, I have been the one that I his his wife doesn't want him around. His stepdaughter didn't want him around, and I started looking at it from the perspective of if I tell him that she's gone and that he could not save her, he's going to fucking snap. And I don't know what that'll do if I go back and I do what I want to do, which is going to be to save fucking Chloe. Like, see, the way that I looked at it is that it didn't matter because she he, was going to be backing to another time frame anyway. So it literally means nothing, whichever one you, you choose, which is even a more of a reason to lie to him so that he doesn't have to go through. Him. Yeah, no, I, I'll agree with that. However, in the mindset that she was in and also because of she'd done so much lying that I believed her that she wanted to tell the truth of what had happened. And, and so anyways, it, it just felt right to me and it certainly played out as the more interesting of the two scenes. Oh, like without big a doubt. Time. But it, it's one of those things where personally, I just felt really, like, I just felt so bad for the guy. Like, I, like with Joe, like, despite the fact that, you know, he initially is presented as just this insufferable asshole. Like, you you come to realize throughout the game, he's not that bad of a oh, guy. Oh, no, no. You know, he's just, you know, he has issues. Like, like we all do. Nobody's perfect. You know, he's a little less perfect than others, for sure. But it was just one of the, I, I didn't, even even knowing I was going to go back and fix the timeline, I just I didn't want to leave him in that state. I felt too much sympathy for him. Right. Okay. So at this point here now you are you're looking frantically for a photograph so that you can go back in time and then you realize that Warren has a picture on his phone that he took outside the Vortex Club. I don't know how she remembered that at that moment. The script said she remembered it. But the thing is, and, and I did not. I didn't think of that at all. What well, I'm no, thinking is I need to get was... back to my, my room, my dorm, and there's a bunch of pictures there that I can choose from. I mean, hell, I could take a stroll. It's not going to matter because I'll just go back. But And I know that there's a, a tornado going on, but you know what I mean. But again, the stream that I'm watching, dude, was the first thing in his mind before that came up. He was like, the picture, the picture from the Vortex Club that... Mm. That I, that we took that Warren has. So 
the reason is because that was a defining choice at the time, right? Yeah. So after the picture is taken, you have a choice of going after Warren or going after Chloe. And that's a split point. And that's one of those things where people had to make that decision. It was literally right after the picture was taken. Did anybody go after Warren? <laughs> I've seen people in playthroughs that did. Um, so, like, it's one of those things where that was that because that was a choice, it sticks out for people. I can totally understand that. He wasn't a bastard. Get over it, Vince. <laughs> he was a nice, supportive guy. Come on. There, there are still words to be said about war. <laughs> so during the car drive over, she and, and this is once again they do such a good job with the atmosphere and mood at different points, and they use music very effectively. And that's something that Borderland, that Tales from the Borderlands. Oh my God, we'll get into that when we're talking about that. <laughs> but again, they they learned from the best because they use music so well, and you get that music playing while she's in the car and then she gets the call the 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 the, the message that was left from nathan saying how he screwed up oh. and basically that mm-hmm. jefferson's after him kind of thing i that was one of the moments that i felt was contrived and forced and i'm listening to it and i'm going like the scene was set and i'm like holy crap i'm ready and then you get the call and i was like uh that yeah I, I can see where you're going with it, but that really felt shoehorned in there. I, I don't know. Mind it. No? I'm kind of with Roger on this one. It, it felt, for lack of a better term, cliche. Yeah. And honestly, this is one of the first points that I started having problems with this episode. Okay. At this point now, you get the, the, the tornadoes in full force. You're getting cars flying up and freaking crashing into buildings. It is horrible. And you get out and you're trying to save as many people as you can. And Poor Alyssa. What's that? Poor Alyssa. <laughs> you just left her there? <laughs> I didn't leave her there. I went and clicked on the wrong thing and then couldn't get back out. Ah. Okay. I uh, I was exploring. Like, I couldn't find her. Like, I was trying to home in on her voice. And I ended up going into the convenience store and it wouldn't let me back out after I got in. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I saved her. It took a, a few too many tries. Because it was like, I'm not going anywhere with you every time I'm with you. Something bad happens. <laughs> I was like, just get down here, you dumb woman. But I finally found something that worked. But I actually didn't save everybody. I missed some of the people. And some of it, I think, was I was too slow for one of them getting there. And I missed them. And then the dude who stuck in that convenience store, it never dawned on me just to reverse time after I passed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I guess you're biting the bullet, buddy. <laughs> I got a diner to go to. <laughs> I got a hankering for a burger and fries and you're in my way. <laughs> so, but it's true though, at that point, cause I tried several things and I looked everywhere and I'm going, what the hell am I missing here? And I was like, maybe he's supposed to be a sacrifice. And so I tripped the switch and I went over and, and I even went in the room to look if there's anything I could do. And I never dawned on me. It wasn't until I'm reading the credits after that says the percentage and I was going, Oh, crap. <laughs> Going to save that poor man. But, uh, but, and, and, and I, because of the urgency of the situation, mm-hmm. I didn't want to waste too much time. So it was like, I'm going through as fast as I can, but I really wanted str- to get there fast. Does that strike anybody else as an odd statement coming from a girl who can rewind time? Very, but every time she does, <laughs> there's very, there's bad things that happen or, sure. you know, so it just, 
that's what made it feel organic and real with the, the nosebleeds and the different other effects that you have and seeing just how much things can be screwed up from backing up time that as I'm going through this playthrough, as opposed to say episode two, where you're like backing up everything just for fun. You know, I, I hear you've understood the impact of what that does and you're just wanting to get through without using it as much as you can. So again, in that regard, I thought it it worked beautifully. Hmm. So then you get to the diner, finally save it from blowing up and go in and inside you've got Chloe's mother, of course, taking a few seconds along the way to snap some pictures. <laughs> I didn't take any pictures. What did you take a picture of? You could take a picture of the whale and the car yep. on the roof across the street. Yep. Ah. No, I didn't. I mean, you know what? That's the one thing I'm, I'm not a, an achievement whore. So I haven't been going after all of the pictures for this. So I it didn't really, <laughs> again, in my mind, I'm like, she would not be stopping for a fucking picture. You have picture. complete control of time. There's not a, complete. I could have gone in there, ordered a burger, <laughs> enjoyed it. <laughs> Anyways, so Warren's in there, Chloe's mother's in there, and um, uh, what's his name? Frank. Frank? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is in there. And Assuming I think there's some, there's some other people. What? Oh, it's possible to kill Frank. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Did, you, did either of you kill him? I can't remember now. I think Joe did. I did, okay, and so uh, I will get back to that as soon as we start talking about another sequence. Okay, all right. So I started off talking with Frank. I don't know about you, Vince. Uh, yes. Because you, no, I think I think Joyce was the first one I talked to. Okay, because I thought I talked to Frank, and it's again you have the option of telling him what happened with Rachel that she's dead, and you also have the option of whether you're going to tell him that she was overdosed which then leads mm-hmm. to him realizing that he is responsible because he sold the drugs to Nathan and Nathan's the one that killed when him. When I when I first made that choice I went, "Oh shit, I'm going to have to rewind this." And then I like as he was talking about it I went, "No, this is this is the right thing to tell yeah, him." Yeah. Yeah, he needs to understand the his role in all this even though it's heart-wrenching and whatnot. It, but yeah, it was it was important for him to to hear it and to to process that. And then talking to Joyce, what I thought was was funny is that as I'd been talking to everybody else, you know, you're going to have that tough choice of tell the truth about what has happened or not. Mm-hmm. But with her, you don't even have the choice. You you don't have the option to tell her at least I didn't. And in none of the ones that I saw, you don't have the option to tell her the Chloe's dead. Did you? I don't think so. Nope. It is not an option okay, that is yeah. presented in anything that I've seen. Yeah. So, that was a whole different conversation. And then we get to Warren. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I've been talking for a while. Vince, go ahead. All right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to be said about Warren just like immediately accepting, oh, yeah, you can travel time? Sure, fine. Yeah, here's the picture. Go do your thing. But I, I don't know. Like On one hand, like it's stupid and makes no sense. But on the other hand, like now that we've come to no Warren and like this this stupid kid is just so far in love with Max it's ridiculous like we went through at least me I went through so many different stages of Warren of at least first of all he's like oh he's just you know the cute you know kid that you know he's kind of shy but he has a crush on the girl to oh my god he's a secret serial killer (laughs) but then like what really turned me on Warren was hopping through all the different timelines 
Did either of you take the time to read your text messages in each timeline? No. Um, some, but not all of them. There was one of them that I missed. I was like, God damn it. I wonder what it was. And like, you know, it, it was it was a really good way of like catching up on exactly what changed in that timeline. And one thing stood out to me every possibility is that Warren was hopelessly fucking clingy, like <laughs> especially like in this particular timeline. It was so passive aggressive freaking like. It, it really turned me off on Warren as a character. Like once I realized he wasn't a serial killer and was just like some poor kid, but like he took it so far overboard. Like it really turned me off on him as a character, like to the point where when I left, I just stonewalled him. Like I didn't even give him a hug. I went, so yeah, okay, cool. Thanks, guy. And no, I <laughs> bailed on him because he, that I got so like so much distaste for him from those text messages. But like, and now like over time, now that I've thought about it, I'm like, there's people that are like that. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't Especially young think, boys. You know, he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong, but from Max's perspective and from the perspective of a number of girls and women, that's really off-putting. And like, and, you know, comparing Warren to myself when I was younger, it's like there are so many parallels and like he, he's on one hand he's a very simple character, but you know, like what he means to the narrative is now much more complex because you can see how the well-meaning, you know, shy little dorky kid can come across as creepy and aggressive without meaning to. And I, that's one of the many like lessons that this game kind of gets across that what you mean to do and what it seems like you're doing are so vastly different based on experiences of the people you're interacting with. Like Warren, I said, I, I came to hate the character, but I really came to respect what he represented to the game. Right. See, and this is the exact opposite of what I got out of this exchange because then I felt just perfectly justified in writing him off as a complete fucking wooden character. And the reason I say that is because I don't care how infatuated anybody is with anybody. If let's say you're you're pining over somebody and, you know, they're coming to talk to you in the middle of this disaster and they tell you that they can travel through time. I don't care how in love with them you are. Oh, you're I going agree. to be you're going to have even at least it's me. Like if I was going to be like, oh, yeah, they're just trying to get rid of me. OK, unrequited love. I get it. Whatever. Like not even a sarcastic quip, just the the whole wooden like, yep, I'm here to be your linchpin or, you know, whatever. I'm here for plot. And, and like that's what the character turned into in that moment. Like nothing else he did mattered anywhere else because he was literally just there as a convenient plot hook. Because there was literally no way she could get to, to her dorm room to get anything because of the storm. So he was just the closest thing that they could put in between basically where she was and where she needed to go to get where she needed. That was it. That was his entire purpose in the entirety of, of the episodes. And that irritated the fucking piss out of me because it reduced like we had all these awesome conspiracy theories about him. We had all these awesome ideas for him and we saw this evolution but it meant nothing. It literally meant absolutely nothing. And that's, I hate that. I hate having invested that time, that interaction in a character to have them turn into something that was thrown away. And that really bothered me. It really kind of, it stuck in my craw. The character was exceptionally poorly written. 
I'll mm-hmm. give you that. Now, the idea that she couldn't get to her dorm because of the tornado actually makes no sense because they can make her go anywhere. They didn't say where the tornado yeah. went. So that, that like was, maybe if she had tried to go there the, in the dorm where was the, or something. They've already explained it in the previous thing where if you saw the streets on the, the town, she wasn't going to be able to get through that area. Yeah, but again, Black, that's Black the, was on change. the other side. That was directly in the middle. Uh, that, that, the but, yeah, they could change that. I, um, they they could have they they done. Could have, but they didn't. But they chose to put him in there. It was important mm-hmm. to put all the characters in one locale so that you could talk to a bunch of people of it importance was, to, to the story. It was, but I, I, agree. I agree. No, no, I agree. I agree. I, agree. The, 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 I was, again, I and I'm far more infatuated with this episode than you were, obviously. But I looked at that and that was such a huge misstep. Like, just a huge, huge mista. Even Chloe tested her for two fucking episodes to, <laughs> to make sure that she believed it. So, this was just a, a, a waste, like you're saying, a waste of a character. Now, that said, we all know two-dimensional people like that. We all know sure. fake people like that. That's that's just a justification. I understand that's all that is. And and that's I don't want to make it any more than that because I agree it's it was poorly poorly done and the biggest downside of this episode and the other thing too of course was he had to make the reference of being a beta nerd yeah and if there's any term as of late that sticks in my <laughs> craw especially after the last mass shooting where you go to 4chan where they were encouraging him on and they're all making those beta guy comments that the betas are taking over the alphas and and spurring on violence holy shit i heard that comment it was like oh fuck i hate that i hate that term with a passion so he really didn't <laughs> stick out for me he got a hug and he's lucky he got that oh no i i, <laughs> I gave I him fucking him. nothing <laughs> okay i was so mad i was like you know what uh-uh. peace out so at this point now you're heading back to the vortex party you basically ditch him again to go talk to chloe she is on her rampage wanted to find nathan and you need to basically talk her off a ledge because she's gonna die if she doesn't listen to you and Depending on which choices you made, which I'm thinking most of the people would have chose the same ones just because they felt like the right ones. They felt like the right ones to get through to her and they felt like they'd have the most emotional impact. And I mean, you're telling her of what's happening. You're telling her that it's Jefferson, that Nathan is dead. You're telling her of what happened to you, of you being drugged mm-hmm. and, and tied and, and things like that. And you're talking about going to the timeline where she asked you to kill her as well and all these things. And you wind up convincing her. But even me watching the playthrough of that was emotionally impactful. It was that well done. I think I might have still been bristling because of the Warren thing, but it didn't hit me nearly as hard. And I think because it, it from here on, it, it and this is a complaint that I have from that point, basically, from that, that point where she meets up with Warren, is now everything starts to sort of follow a logical path. And so how do you get Chloe to calm the hell down? You have no choice but to tell her. It just makes logical sense. And I'm not saying that it's not impactful for other people, but for me it became the rest of my journey from this point became a whole lot less emotional for me. Uh, it just like, I looked at it, I was like, well, yeah, I have to, my, my entire goal here is to save Chloe. My entire goal is to stop her from ever getting shot. 
I'm going to say whatever it takes. And she's supposed to be my best friend. I'm going to tell her what happened to me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, even if I don't say the words, I'm going to say just enough that she's smart enough to figure it out. And if she's really my friend, she'll calm the fuck down and that'll be the end of it. And like, and it didn't hit me nearly as hard as I think it did you as far as the emotional impact of it. Um, just because I, and it's hard because I don't know if it was just because I was emotionally detaching myself from it at this point or, or what was going on, but it just, it didn't, it didn't sink. See the, as I'm, I'm playing through as well, I had not chosen to kill her off in the timeline where she was a, a paraplegic. However, when I was watching somebody else play, they had. And so even though we both brought up the same thing, I had to make some difficult choices. And you, I went back and, and, and I saw your father and, and the, I let him die so that you would not die. And she's saying how she didn't kill her. She asked, she'd been asked to kill her. But in the other playthrough I watched, it was like, and I said yes, because I didn't want to see you in so much pain. And you're getting these moments where Chloe's like choking up in replying obviously and saying like i i'm sorry i had yeah, to put you I, I'm through sorry that. i made you do that yeah it wasn't her exactly like, that was that was that one line it was like i again i didn't see that in my playthrough and i wish i would have but even just seeing it somebody else i was like oh wow like and it was required because she was on a furious rampage at that point and few things would be able to stop her even even you telling her it's not Nathan, you know, she's still rushing in there. Screw you, it's him, I'm going in. We got to skip ahead a little bit here because we are actually starting to run pretty long. We still have another goddamn <laughs> freaking game to talk about. So at this point here now, you are saying, and this was another point where I I found was a little confusing because it started here and then you got more of that as you went along where she's saying, you're going to have to remind me of all of this because I'm going to forget soon. And I'm going, she hasn't forgotten any of the other timelines. She just recounted events from different timelines. How come she's suddenly going to be forgetting what's happening in this timeline? Yeah, that was a little weird. Okay, so it wasn't just me. No. it, it, it Because they used it from that point forward. Yeah. So, like, I'll, when they're at the beach at that point, she kind of comes to at the beach and they're watching the tornado coming towards town and it's like wh- what happened there's she well, didn't I, look at a picture what happened i, I think it's it, it's a matter of you know where does the timeline catch up with her because the like going back to that san francisco timeline like the points where between leaving jefferson's class and waking up on the plane i think that was kind of a blank spot for her too it's just a matter of, you know, where in the timeline does Max herself fit in with her full knowledge? But, so a- after that scene is kind of one of those points where Max, uh, you know, the, the player version of Max checks out and doesn't catch up to the timeline until later on. But then how she, would she remember everything else? That happened Chloe is a paraplegic. Yeah. It makes no they, sense whatsoever it, it's a con i'm with roger on this one it read it felt to me like a, a missed point almost like they didn't intend to do that but yet they did and then they just used it from that point on though yeah which felt really uh, weird to I'd, me I'd, I'd have to really, like go back and look at it and kind of try and pinpoint and draw a map of where player max and npc you can, max you're gonna turn into hero nakamura <laughs> in the original <laughs> that, that, where he's got all the pictures with the timelines <laughs> with string 
<laughs> tax. I, I, I still think it, it, it makes sense and could work, but it takes – you kind of have to step back and look at it. I think that it definitely could make sense and work. However, you have to be consistent, consistent with it. And yeah. it had to have started before episode five. And it, it right. simply didn't. At this now, point, we had what? Like, we had 10 hours of gameplay that but, said otherwise. But even go back to, to episode the end of episode three. You know, when does Max wake up? She doesn't remember everything that happened in that timeline before she wakes up as a member of the Vortex Club. There's points where, again, player Max kind of catches up to the timelines that she's altered. Okay, I'll give you that one. I hadn't thought of that one. I think that if it was brought up more as well... In terms of well, prior to the end of episode three, going back that far in time and making major changes wasn't part of the plot. Yeah, but I think that if because we get a lot of later on how it's really affecting her, all of the changes, and that that's screwing with her brain. If they had put more, explained that literally at that moment. Listen, this is really affecting my mind because of everything, all the different changes and whatnot. I might not remember. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. Because right after this is where she passes out again. And this is where shit gets trippy. <laughs> this is where she's back in class and birds are dive bombing oh my the God, window. That scene was ridiculous. And like blood everywhere. You're looking at the notes from like where Kate was sitting. You're looking at pictures of yourself bound to a chair on the computer. That is the scene where you have to read text messages. Because holy shit. I did not. Okay, go for it. Hold on a sec. Because I actually, I I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. Uh, Joe, talk for a second. Actually, while you're doing that. I I tweeted a screenshot of one of these. So give me a second to pull it up. One of the ones that was the most impactful was the note on the ground. Did you look at the yeah, – it says, uh, Max, if you're reading this, this it means you're dead. dead. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Jefferson XOXO. Okay, I have – I have, and all, all of them were equally as weird. I just chose the one that was least spoilery to tweet out, and it was from Samuel. <laughs> Good evening, young Max. The squirrels talk to me, but how can you? Samuel has no phone. <laughs> it's like a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> And he said they were all equally weird, but that was just a trip See, and a half. And and for me, like, and I think it was too weird at this point for the sake of just being weird is what I got out of it. Really? And I don't know. If, I, and, and this is, again, this is just person, me personally. I think I'm just a little bit jaded when it comes to this type of stuff. But this is totally the cliche when it comes to time travel type stuff. It's. You wind up getting trapped. You this weird convergence where all of these things come crashing down, and it just seemed like I don't know. Again, almost formulaic to me. Like there has to be that moment, and it was just really, really weird. It it it, it was something that has been repeated in other video games, including some of the Silent Hills. And it was like, okay, I get it. And then it just went, kept going on and on. And I understand that it was like an important, powerful moment for some people. But for me, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, I get it. Just let me get into the next part because I already kind of knew this was coming. Like I, as soon as things started getting jumbled, like just a little bit and she started getting the nosebleeds. I'm like, we're going to have that moment where everything just comes crashing down and it's going to happen. I'm just like, I'm just waiting for it. Every single time there's an event, every single time I rewind, I'm just waiting for it. I'm waiting for that moment where she blacks out and she's like stuck inside of her own head or she gets sucked into the timeline or something stupidly cliche like that. 
and then this stuff happened. It was yeah, cool. Yeah, but you're, you're limited in what you can do. And when you're looking at it in yeah. terms of the, the, the mechanic of time travel, there are some things that you're, yeah, you're going to use I argue, those do they, But I argue, did they even need that? I would argue back that, and, and this is, again, we've said this time and time again on all of our podcasts, you know what, the cliche isn't, the, the horrible part is what you do with it. So you can have something that's a cliche trope, but do it well. And if it fits in, then good on you. And I, personally playing through this, I felt that not only did it belong, but it really helped to enhance the episode so that you had that same feeling of unease and confusion and frantically wanting to set everything back right and Mm -hmm. knowing what right is and being able to see how to get there even and yet it never works out properly so for me it actually it it really enhanced the story a lot and i would argue maybe not argue but i would agree that maybe for some of it it went too long but that yeah, was because segment was definitely overdone. You had to kind of figure out the mechanic. Same as with the trippy door puzzle thing where you come through as yeah. somebody different I, that it takes you a little bit longer to figure it out. So it's artificially inflating the length of the game, but it's still, but I, those are also mechanics that I liked the first time I played them was Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Yeah, but we could point to how many games that have and used mechanics the, from other games. the only person that played Shattered Memories. <laughs> that, that's fair. <laughs> But again, it's something that, yes, we've seen in other games, but we've seen everything in other games. I mean, we could say the same thing about everything in Tales from the Borderlands, but it's what they do with it. Yeah. Yeah. But for me personally, I didn't care for the execution. And I think those segments went on way too long. Oh, they went on long. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think like if it was like a brief moment where it's like it hits you in the face and then you move on to the next one, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Right. Okay. Because, yeah, you're going through the, the halls at one point and everything's going backwards. You get to talk to Jefferson, but you're not given the option of saying what you really feel, but basically what he would want to hear. You have the moments of the shadow light. That one went on way too long, but that's because I kept screwing it up, hoping that I could just use the time mechanic to jump forward. And you really can't always do that. But once you get to the end there and you're sitting on the bench... Oh, going through like that that dark passageway with the scenes being lit up, that hit me. Oh, that too, yes. Although before that is I uh-huh. believe it's when you find that. when you find the little uh when you're the in the snow globe. hideout. Yeah. Yeah, when you're in the snow globe and Oh god, that snow globe Gee, there was so much stuff in this scene. It's hard yeah, to exactly. keep track of it all. Well, it's once you get past the the everybody the the mm-hmm. assholes with the the lights, and you sit on the park bench, and then you're in the snow globe, that and you're at I was the moment okay with, with yeah. uh, I like William, that part. yeah, especially when you see yourself and your reaction to not hiding the keys from him, mm-hmm. knowing full well that he's going to die. That was impactful. That was like, oh, that was bloody well done, boys. Way to go, hey, boys and girls. You know what I mean. Um, and then, and then you're back in the goddamn chair again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, again, it, it, it became just this thing where you're going, not the chair, for fuck's <laughs> sakes, come on. <laughs> but this is obviously not reality at this point. You're seeing Chloe getting it on with Jefferson, Warren, Nathan, Victoria. She's She's in her wheelchair at one point, and it's just... 
it cements the importance of that friendship between the two of them because she's been seeing so many things that are the horrific nature of everything, the choices she's making and whatnot. So it really hits home that idea that this is all because of Chloe. And, and, and I really, again, it, I felt it worked in, in terms of where the story was headed. And I think I that enjoyed- was also, sorry, Joe. I think that was also the scene where they dropped the bit about how Max was just using her powers to get people to like her. That was that was later in the diner. Bef- that was later, and that was at the okay. diner. Um, okay. I didn't mind this scene. I thought this was actually well done, and I thought that that entire sequence was really cool. And I'm with you, Roger. It did cement the importance of that friendship because that friendship is basically the entire driving force of the entire story. And without that friendship, there wasn't a story yeah. without without the interaction between those two. And it also started to dri- drive the point home of how little tiny changes completely change everything else. Yeah. And I appreciated that. I thought that was a good sequence. Yeah. The where you're talking about is uh, Vince when they are she's walking through the diner and there's people there that are talking <sighs> yeah. about her and all the things that she's mm-hmm. done and, and things like that. And then she meets up with a version her, well, of herself. It's not specific. It's not everybody. It's oh, only no. the people that have died. No, it's not. Yes, it is. If you go through and you actually look at those people, with with very few exceptions, it's everybody who's died. Like in my version, Frank was there. Was Frank there for you? I honestly don't remember. Oh, it was just a crowd of Frank, people. Frank was there for me without his dog because I did not kill his dog. <laughs> and I've seen other people with playthrough where Frank is there with his dog when they've killed both. Hmm. And without his dog there, he's so it's like Metal Gear Solid three <laughs> kind of. But he's 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 sitting there in that sequence and he's talking about, you know, how I killed him and how I did it was so selfish and that he wishes he had his dog because it was all he had left. And then you see Rachel Amber on the, sitting on the jukebox. It is literally every single person that has died. And if you look at the sequence of the people, it's also mirrors the sequence of the people that you are going through the town. Like the dude that was just randomly like electrocuted with the girl crying over him. He's the first person you interact with when you walk into that diner. And it's and all of that leads up to this moment where you are going to sit and talk with yourself. And I had a problem with that because it was so fucking heavy handed. See, see. <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those scenes that it worked for me. And it, it comes for me. A lot of it comes back to that line, like I said, of how Max now that now I'm remembering the scene more clearly accuses herself of only using her powers to get people to like her. And it, like it's I stopped for a second and like reexamined how I'd mm-hmm. played the game. And I was like, how much of the usage of time powers was actually for like, you know, Selfish solving reasons. the mystery and, you know, trying to save people or, oh, Alyssa doesn't like me or, oh, I want to become friends with Taylor. And it, it looking back on how you play the game, you're like, fuck, she's right. Yeah. And I was cool with that. I thought that was I, I think that's a very cool concept. I just I think I, you would have liked it better if she walked into an empty diner and there's somebody sit sitting at one of the booths and when she walks up she realizes it's herself. Yeah, like something like that would have been a little bit better because there's all the comments of everybody as you're walking by. It's just so heavy-handed with the you caused my death. This is your fault. Oh, I wouldn't have been here. I had such grand plans. I was going to travel the world and I'm like fucking really like if it had just been just the diner with just the spotlight just over max's table i would have absolutely adored that sequence 
The um, from there, Chloe does show up to defend her, and that's when they go into the scene where there are the lit up scenes as you're walking along and you're basically mm-hmm. seeing the game again and the choices that you, that was you, cool. yeah. you saw. I, I like that. it Again, it didn't happen for me, but I'm watching this other guy play it. And there's a scene where Chloe says to her, just admit that you already macked on me, then used your rewind. And he says, yep, I did. <laughs> and I went, I just kissed her. I didn't rewind. No shit. I was like, I'm owning that. <laughs> And then you pour back into your body just as Chloe's bringing you up to the life house. And now this is where Chloe offers to sacrifice herself in order to save the town, realizing that she's died in how many of these timelines. And that's, that, that was a profound moment as well. Like she's finally understanding it's, this is all because of me. Mm-hmm. And here's Chloe again, asking you to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just as powerful. And she gives you that first well, photo of the butterfly. I, I think it wasn't so much that she was asking you to kill her. She was asking you to let yeah. her go. And that is yeah. much yeah. different. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's why, spoiler alert, I sacrificed Chloe. Whereas I couldn't do it for her <laughs> in the previous episode. In this one, I could because of the way it was presented and what it meant. Yeah. Her, her, her selling the case, if you will. Yeah, I totally did not do that. So there's two different choices, obviously. You can either save Chloe or you can save well, Arcadia Bay. No, no, no. There, there's a very important distinction. It's not save Chloe sacrifice. or save Arcadia Bay. It's sacrifice Chloe yeah. and sacrifice. So it makes your your decision, like that very simple choice of wording makes your decision that much, have carry that much more weight. And to be honest, at this point, there's only one good choice and it's much like the other choices in the game. You can see where their attention went in driving home uh, a story element. And because I chose to sacrifice Arcadia Bay. Same here. I burned that fucking place to the ground. I figured if they haven't evacuated, <laughs> screw them. <laughs> well, it wasn't even that. Like it, it, for me, it was like I'm sitting there looking at it from the character. It's like I've already given up and sacrificed yep. so much for Chloe. And this is, you know. And I look back at the town. What have I gotten out of this town? Nothing. Literally nothing. I've watched people in this town destroy each other, ostracize each other, cause nothing but problems for each other. Fuck this place. I'm done. Okay, there well, was no choice for me. I just said, fuck it. Burn this place. I'm good. It didn't. Not that far for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> I still like some of the people there. But it was very much the look at everything I've done to save this girl, this best friend. And, and also, and this is going back to what Alicia's saying in the, the chat room as well of how, you know, you have to remember that you are this young girl. You're not an adult making these decisions, looking at things from the outside, looking in, you're this girl. And I'm thinking after everything she's been through after all the times that she's gone back and forth and how much is, fucking up all the time streams to save Chloe and be done with it. And just boom, she had to save her. And then when you save her, of course, tornado rips right through town. There is a very powerful moment where they're watching it and they're holding hands. And then eventually she just collapses in her arms and gets a hug. And she, cause she realizes the weight of what it is she's chosen. And then in the morning they're in the truck and they're going through town and there's 
everything is devastated. Hell, there's a body on the ground that's covered. It's bad, bad shape, and they drive off. And <laughs> you have the ironic welcome to Arcadia Bay, but it's another great day in Arcadia Bay <laughs> sign. And going like, no. But the other flip side to that is the sacrificing Chloe. Vince, actually, I'll let you take this. See, and, and for me, it wasn't a decision of, you know, who who deserves it or what have I been through? It was plain and simple, Chloe pleading her case. And I listened to her. I was able to listen to her this time, whereas I couldn't before. So it was, I, I finally wanted to let Chloe have her wish. And I went through it. And let me tell you, the scene, I, I needed some egos. <laughs> <laughs> because they did the whole thing we've seen time and time again with the pictures and changing. And it was all the scenes with Chloe and all of the memories that you made over the course of the game with Chloe and all of them burning away and being replaced with her funeral. Oh. <laughs> well, it, even just when you're in the hit. bathroom... It, it, oh, and yeah, that too, of her like and you have the to wall sit and crying it. as Nathan shoots her. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it was, it was a hard hitting scene and when I, I don't regret my decision in the least bit. When I saw that and that was, again, I had to see somebody else do that ending because that's not the one I chose. And I didn't think that you could, oh, just go back and play it through, but you can. And, um. The scene where she, because she, she goes right to the scene where she's in the bathroom and looks over and nobody's coming through the door. And you have that moment of hope. <laughs> I was like, oh, something happened. Something's different. It's that butterfly effect. We've seen it happen. This is, oh, crap, there's Nathan. And and the fact that she sits through it, but you don't have a choice because you know the player would interject at some point. We'd have to, but she actually sits through it all. And I was like, oh, my God, was that ever powerful? And then you have to, again, you're listening through the argument, the shot being fired. Again, the camera angles beautifully going up, zooming out and up from her as you're seeing her on the ground dead. And then you're, you're, the, the music kind of slowly comes in and it pans back to Max on the ground. And, and then it starts in with the burn of, in effects of everything that's gone wrong and then eventually leads to that, that funeral scene as well and all of it i mean right down to the butterfly at the very end again kind of thing was you realize once you watch that it was like yep this is the right choice this is mm -hmm. this is what you were supposed to do yeah I, I i think they did a good job of both endings of not making you regret your choice uh, of making you feel comfortable that you did the right thing either way yeah. okay We've only been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. Just one thing to ask to ask you guys, because I know this is a hot topic for the three of us, because I've seen a lot of criticism of the ending of this game and relating it to Mass Effect 3. About yeah, how that same for thing. a lot of people felt that all of your choices throughout the game meant nothing because you were left with this binary ending decision. I'm inclined to agree with that feeling, actually, which is why I didn't care for it. Um, not... Not that it, I think that the journey to get there wasn't worth it. It's just that I think the ending did a slight disservice to the game as a whole because at the end it just got so heavy-handed 
And it was so like, it's going to be this finite decision. It's going to, and then to only have two options. And at first I'm like, there can't just be two. And I started looking and I started digging. But we knew going in that that was going to be our decision. We knew we were going to have that binary decision. I didn't. Go back and listen to the last episode. (laughs) I I thought there were going to be shades of gray. I thought there was going to be something more than just a black or white. And that was it. And I think that it, it was so jarring of an ending after all the other choices that you make. And then it just felt like, I don't know. It, it wasn't the same letdown of Mass Effect 3's ending, but it, it not in, in so much that I don't think it was incomplete, I just wish there was more depth to it. Like, I just wish there was something more than, these are your two choices, kill everybody or kill her. End of story. Okay. For me, I will argue and and just start off by saying, A, that thought never even crossed my mind at all. It, it didn't for me either until I was reading some forum stuff on the game. Even then, I disagree. The thing with Mass Effect 3 is that the choices that you made as you were playing along didn't really have as huge an impact on the game as you were playing. They were supposed to have an impact on the ending. Whereas with this game the choices that you make as you're playing are affecting the game as you're playing it. So whatever choices that I made as I was going along continually came back to either haunt me or to make me feel good about decisions that I'd made throughout at various points. It wasn't like it was all being saved up to be then bundled into a special Mm -hmm. ending. So I never thought that at, at all. It was handled completely different. That morality uh, clause kind of thing, completely different than than Mass Effect, completely different. See, and I'm similarly in agreement because yes, while for the world as a whole, there are only two choices. Everything that you, every choice, every decision, every interaction that you made throughout the game did affect Max. And as we've come to see, Max was what's important in this game, not Chloe, not Arcadia Bay, not anything else. It's how your journey through the story affected her personally. And that's why I don't have the same criticism. Again, you could just have to look at Tales from the Borderlands and the choices that you've made throughout affect various things that happen throughout episode five, but it doesn't affect the ending. I mean, this, it does within to an reason, within reason, it, 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 but it, it definitely affects who you have available to you at the end. Yes, but oh, that's absolutely. not. Yes, but that's just a, a mechanic of who you're going to toss in for special combo moves, you know. So, and and yes, there's different story elements, but it's still the effects of the choices yeah, that you still made only are one felt throughout. Ending, but yeah, so and I'm all right with that. I yeah. again, I look at these games way differently, and I think that I think that Mass Effect Three trained us. To be disappointed. <laughs> so it trained On us that... On a scale of one to Mass Effect, how disappointed were you in this game? Yeah, so it's but like, see, okay, I apparently we had to change our opinions of what a moral compass is in the game and how it's going to affect various outcomes. And it was crushing and disappointing, and I still maintain that, but it certainly changed your bar height going forward in games that use a morality system. See, and for me, like comparing just the two as far as the ending goes, I wasn't as disappointed or or I didn't look at the ending of Borderlands the same way simply because the decisions, while they were like important to the progression of the story, didn't have that same gravitas that Life is Strange did. It didn't hit me the same way that Life is Strange did. And I think that was the problem is that even at the end, I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel 
content with what the choices were. Because honestly, if I if I be speaking perfectly plainly, I hated both choices. Hmm. Well, what would you have had then? That's the problem. Is I don't know what I, I have to think right. about it more, and I've been really puzzling this out. Is what would make me feel feel fulfilled in my journey. And honestly, the only thing I could think of is I would have preferred to have there been a cliffhanger. I would have, uh, that's the only thing I could think of right this second. I'd have to think on it more, but I'd rather have no closure than two choices that I don't like. Actually, I can see that, especially when you look at it from a Twin Peaks kind of feel to it. Yeah. That kind of thing, then ending it on a cliffhanger would have been good. That said, though, I will I, no, say that I, they, if they had given a cliffhanger, I would have thrown my controller through the TV. I think a lot, I think the, too many players would have, would have felt that same way. But, but it could I'm have just, been offered as a third option let's as be well. Honest, yeah. I'm still pissed off about Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to move on. We have to move on. All right, let's move on to Tales from the Borderlands. This was, once again, and I'll say it like I said earlier, it was as I'm playing it initially, I'm thinking this is either going too fast or there's it's it's it looks like it's resolving too fast but you wind up playing for well over two hours. It just keeps going and going and getting significantly better. The star of this is no surprise that it is Gordas. It's not Loderbot. It's freaking Gordas. I don't know. Loderbot was... Loderbot, Loderbot was, was pretty awesome. awesome yeah. But freaking Gordas steals every scene she's in. This is and true, I but when I look up, back at the game, I realized that the entire time Loderbot was the main character. I see. I didn't pick up on that, actually. I, yeah. I quite literally yeah. did not pick up. And I, I was... I was watching again. I, I I played through it. Plus, I watched somebody else play through it, and he did not have a clue when it was. I was waiting at that point. I'm going, oh, oh this yeah. dude's and in for a surprise. Yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it was it was told, it was like he was shocked. And I was going, I feel you, brother. <laughs> so going back though, now we 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 wind up in the scene where they were in, which this has a huge impact as well on where the story is going to go within reason if you chose Reese to be the douchebag that's taken over or oh, if he's put off. I was playing the shit out of Reese and Fiona in this last episode. Like, <laughs> before I was, like, trying to kind of, you know, keep them on the same team and on the same page. But in episode five, after I made the choice I did with Reese of having him accept Jack at the end of episode four... I played him 100% into that mentality and Fiona in reaction to him as just losing any faith and trust she had. And it was glorious, (laughs) especially once, of course, Jack screwed Reese. And again, with that mindset of it for me as Reese, it utterly devastated me. When Jack is talking about making an army of Jacks, (laughs) I was like, Damn, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's too bad that my playthrough, I was strapped to a chair because I told him no, and I had to fight my way out of the chair. Oh. I thought that was a fun sequence. Yeah, yeah, it was. Once again, though, we got Jack monologuing, which makes even more sense in this game because Jack does like the sound of his own voice. Yeah, and what what are you going to do to stop him? <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, not only like that, but not only does he like the sound of his own voice, now he has the sound of his whole voice throughout the entirety of Helios. <laughs> did, so did you guys get the option of then what Jack is telling Reese? He's got an option of either showing force, doing a special delivery or a balance. Oh, I ordered the, a pizza. 
Why would you order pizza when you could do a moonshot to a bandit camp? Because you've never met my girlfriend. <sighs> God, still. Because that's what I actually, my playthrough didn't look, have that look option. Look at your chat log right now. Oh, and think I know. About this for a second. I know, I know. But you were playing the game, not her. I. Uh, but I could not resist ordering a pizza. I. That's the one that the guy chose. Because I didn't chose. want to moonshot a bandit camp because my whole justification for this was using her, using Hyperion to make Pandora better, not necessarily wipe parts of it off the planet. They're bandits. So? <laughs> they don't deserve to look. They wear face masks. <laughs> Need I say more? What if you had shot the bandit camp that Vaughn was in? You he wasn't. You. He was disguised at wood. But you you don't know. That's actually very true. Uh, you didn't right. know. Fine. You didn't know where Vaughn was. Well, Fine. I mean, you guys, what's his name? He was Cortez dead. or whatever his name was said he was in a bandit camp when he Kroger. found him. Yeah, whatever. I, I the idea of the the, the the army of jacks killed me. I thought that was hysterical. Oh, that was that that was brilliant. <laughs> and then he's saying that's when he's saying too that first one's gonna be Reese's body and that's that's when he decides to fall down the trap there. I will get caught by the door first, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and now you you have the option here, depending on how you've played it before, either you're going to fall down the trap and meet up with Fiona and Sasha and Gordis, who have knocked out their guards, or you're going to just fall down and there's nobody there and you're on your comm unit with uh, August. But the end result is the same. You have to make your way to the power core and basically shut it down. Now, another option, which I didn't realize is you can chat it up with Yvette, who's now locked up mm-hmm. and you can decide to free her. If you oh, want to no, screw her, I did not either free her, but I did not free her. I told her she could fucking burn. I saw somebody else actually <laughs> free her and take her along. And she sticks around till the very end. Not very useful. Did that useful. person also zap her with the cattle prod? Because I think that's kind of no. a stick in, the, in yeah. that particular resolution. That friendship is not the same after a cattle prodding to the <laughs> stomach. <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, Jack is in the system, too. He's announcing to everybody that he wants help finding Reese. And he tries to stop Fiona and Sasha and Gordis with all the monitors and, and things like that. And, of course, August comes to, to the rescue. Um Reese has to do that stupid bullshit firewall mini game again. Luckily, it's only one. Yeah, at least God. it was small. It was like, wasn't oh, that bad. I hate they... that stupid mini game. And then Jack shuts down the system, and Reese. This is another one. If you've got Event with you when you uh, when you jump onto the 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 core and power core, and you're you're closing it when he opens up the vent to do the core venting into to space. Um, if you're by yourself, you're like hanging on. But if Yvette's there, she gets sucked down and hangs onto your leg and you've got a, basically a choice of either sacrificing her so that you can stay on there and close it or help her up. As it happens, you just help her up and close the core down anyways. It's the same damn thing. So there's a choice that really doesn't matter. But yeah. uh, She was still in a box for me. Yeah, <laughs> shoot for me too. <laughs> and then you see Fiona's ship leaving. And that's when they kind of jump back after to tell the story of what's going on with Fiona and Sasha and Gordis meeting up with the crew and getting double crossed by them. Did you guys get August to help you at that point? Yes, or did you I did. Yeah. yeah. So did I managed I. to get him to help me, yeah. Yeah. Called him a mama's boy. <laughs> it's it's like calling Marty McFly chicken. It's an instant response. <laughs> I got. I basically got him with the. You're supposed to be in charge, aren't you? Because yeah. it doesn't look like it right now. 
And then there's the the firefight and, and whatnot. And Loderbot has a yet another heroic moment trying to save Gordas. <laughs> it uh, I mean, it doesn't last that long. It's not that big a deal. But it was it was well executed. I liked it, and it was awesome too. Shooting the the the, the pressurized thing, the <laughs> air thing. Um, and then the ship is basically going through evacuation and that's when you get one of the better moments with Fiona and Loderbot who's walking with her and he's putting her in an escape pod and she's like no you won't fit in too and he's like I'm going after Reese and sends her <laughs> off and you go like oh <laughs> and, and, and awesome. keeping in mind I blew Loderbot the fuck up in episode one. yeah so did I actually <laughs> I did not, and I felt so the, justified. So the fact that I was able to repair that friendship to the point where he would <laughs> sacrifice himself for me really meant a lot. And that's why I say Loderbot was the true hero of the story. Yeah, Loderbot then goes off I'll to agree. rescue Reese, and you get some good dialogue between the two of them, too, which Loderbot's, Loderbot's dialogue really stepped up this episode, <laughs> which was awesome. And then you got, again, Jack's in the system trying to stop them, cut them off, and, and, and things like that. If you have Yvette with you, you can send her to the last escape pod that you can see. But otherwise, you're fighting with, uh, I think it's Kroger. Yeah, Kroger, who's there, who Kroger. wants to get what, into one as well. What did I call him? What's that? Cortez. I call him yeah. Cortez. Oh, yeah. The and then once again, Loderbot saves Reese, shoves him in a, an escape pod, <sighs> and then he gets pushed so out. So mad. Just as you're watching him get shot by Kroger oh. as well. And then this is where, and this is going back to what I was saying about Life is Strange and what Don't Not has learned from Tell Tell Games. The music. Fuck. Dude, the the opening the music in every one of these episodes has yep. been phenomenal. Between oh, yeah. the that, music, that's, that's, said, that's the most disappointing part of this ending is there's no more credit sequences. Yeah, the the music and then you have the credits of everything kind of showing up on stuff as it's floating by. The look and feel of the characters. Fiona's oh, playing oh, with her man. gun. He is just heartbroken because of what's just happened. You got. Things crashing around them. He doesn't even care. Like from the camera shots to the music to everything, it was that from the ejection through to the crash landing on the planet. Brilliant. Just point blank brilliant. It was at this time that I had started tweeting hate at Telltale Games, (laughs) damning them for this. With like, you bastards made me feel. Like, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. And they choose the right music. It's funny. Like that's something that the wife and I noticed when we were watching TV shows, there's some shows and even specific seasons where you're like, damn, they know what they're doing. Cause it's not always choosing the big names. It's just the right, the right music, music for that moment. And they've chosen the right music, but they're going off of the right music that Gearbox chose yeah, for Borderlands. Had in this. So, I mean, it just feels very much the same. And it's like, oh, dude, that was awesome. And and for anybody who's been listening to the podcast for any length of time knows that Roger and I especially are very audio, audibly attuned to like stuff like that. And if something doesn't fit, we're the first ones to say, fuck you, pick a better song. I have never been able to say that about any sequence in this entire series. This episode especially was just spot on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. And then you get to the planet, and now the Hyperion space station is just rubble on the ground and everything. And you get some 
powerful-ass shit from Jack, who's still in the system. Oh. His voice is all jacked up, and you're, you're talking to him, and he's congratulating you. And he's yeah. telling you how, you know, you kill a lot more effectively than I do. You're a lot better at it than that you look at me. what you did. That was, was like, so oh. right, in the, right in the gut. But, I mean, the entirety of the conversation that you have with him, which lasts a while and is different based on choices that you've made, because the playthrough that I watched, there was a lot more, including a lot more references to Angel with Borderlands 2. Like, mm-hmm. my playthrough, there were some references, but not nearly as much. But the one that I watched, it went on significantly longer, where you're like, almost feeling for Jack and you're like, damn. See, it's one of those things where, again, my version of Reese, I wasn't having any of his shit. I was like, I don't care about your daughter. I don't care about any of that bullshit. I'm going to fucking kill what's left of you. <laughs> See, I went and I went into that mode. Like at first I was like the big fuck you. And and then I was like, you know what? No, no, this isn't good enough. This is, I need to hate, hate, hate knows flow through me. Take the hate, Jack. <laughs> so then there's a lot of little, telltale moments where you got to wander around and look at different shit and make your way through to the end. Of course, while he's talking to you, he's basically just setting you up so that he can inject himself back into your brain via the brain implant. And that's when shit gets interesting (laughs) (laughs) because now you got to deal with him in your system again. Actually, Vince, I'll let you talk for a while about that. Yeah, that was, I I don't know. I didn't see that one coming because I, I was, I was in full-on rage, dark side mode at that point. <laughs> that when I saw that little probe sticking out, I that was like the biggest oh fuck. <laughs> it's like, eh, oh. so Jack's back in your system and he's choking the life out of you with the. You just like if you kill me, you'll die too. And he's like, oh, I don't, fuck, I don't care at this point. I want to take you down with me <laughs> if I don't have much of a choice and. Uh, well, what did I do? Oh, that's when I started uh, popping out the cybernetics. Yep. You know, ripping off your own arm. And he's like, oh, you know, okay, so you ripped off the arm. That just means I can't kill you. Well, that's great. That just means I'm going to live inside you forever. And that's when he starts pulling out his other cybernetics, pops out the little data spike. And he's like, that's fine. You're never going to get rid of all your cybernetics. I'll always be deep inside you somewhere, just waiting for the right moment to come back out. To the point where Reese pulls the freaking implant out of his own eyeball. Yup. That, oh man, that was kind of gross. When Jack starts it, begging. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, no, don't do this. We can fix this. It's, it, oh, well, it made Reese such a badass in that scene. Well, when he's talking to, and once again, you're, you're, almost feeling for Jack. No, because he's, he's saying no. like, there's nothing. And he's talking about life uh-huh. after death. And he's like, there's nothing. nothing. He's a I'm fucking not... program. No, no. Well, he yes, was, I know yeah, that. Exactly. But he was lying. How does he know what happens after he dies? He was just an AI program. Well, he knows he that there's nothing happened in between the two. From the first this second. instance of Jack never died. This was before he died that the consciousness was put into that goddamn chip. Don't get me wrong. It was a great bit of dialogue, but I immediately sniffed it out. It was complete <laughs> So did you guys keep the cybernetics or did oh, you no, no. crush it? No, Hell no, it. crush the shit out of that. Just so you know, nothing happens if you keep it. I crushed it, but the playthrough that I watched, he kept mm-hmm. it and it never came up later in the story. 
there might've been options that were missed there that maybe it does eventually somehow, but it, in this case never did. It doesn't have to come up in the story. So, Just the knowledge that you chose to keep a piece of Jack around is enough. Yeah. Now here's where now we switch to Fiona who has crash landed close to where the portal is being opened to go into the vault. And you find out that the vault has a vault guardian, massive, massive monster for some unknown borderlands reason Gordis gets turned into this massive protector of swords kind of thing and is huge. I'm sure you know how much I was nerding out. At oh, yeah, God. <laughs> Fighting a Godzilla-like monster. Yeah, trust me. The thought crossed my mind. I was actually mentally playing the Pacific Rim theme in my head. <laughs> so you wind up with uh, with Fiona talking to Sasha on her comm unit. She's actually making her way to where Valerie is shooting a freaking cannon at Gordis as well. She actually stops and talks to August as well, who crashed. And um, and there is the most badass kick in the history <laughs> of this game when she jumps up, steps on the cannon rocket launcher, and kicks her in the face. And I was like, that was epic. <laughs> But then you have that moment where Gordis is talking to her saying, you have to kill me. And I was like, oh, you bastards. And originally, I oh. was like, no, no, it's just it's just radio distortion. She's mishearing what Gordis is saying. But then as it kept getting repeated and repeated, I, I finally had to accept it for myself. <laughs> and you have that's when Sasha shows up and helps her and and, and, and takes out Gordis. And it was just this... It's a ridiculous moment, and it's one of those things where people who have not played Borderlands, although by this point, five episodes in, you kind of know what you're in for. But even then, you don't realize that this kind of insanity works in a Borderlands game. So Gordis is suddenly massive and telling you to kill her. It's like, yeah, okay, I buy it. It, it makes sense. <laughs> she has to magically get bigger just so that she can fight this demon that's coming through or whatever the hell that is coming through. But, uh, but yeah, just absolutely spectacular. And then you have that flash forward transition to where the story is finally ending that they've been telling to this person who abducted them and has been dragging them all over the goddamn country. At this point, now, seriously speaking at this point, had you guys figured it out? Yeah, you had. Yeah. Okay. Not, Joe? not, not figured it out, but suspected a lot <laughs> nope didn't know and neither did i so i got you, completely blindsided you're getting more history here where fiona and reese are both talking about what they've done since that time showing the passage of time but just in a very brief little kind of snippet so that you know and again choices that have been made will affect their level of friendship or how abandoned they feel from each other Krogor shows up with a bandit that he's caught and you see that there was a trade that was set up for Reese and Fiona for this bandit kind of thing. Although that goes south and the, 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 well, Loderbot, let's just be honest, <laughs> takes care of Kroger, which was oddly fulfilling. <laughs> Felt good. <laughs> now I will say that the moment that bandit showed up, I was like, that's Vaughn. 
Oh, absolutely, yeah, that, without a doubt. There's, there's no, no I'd surprise. I'd recognize there. those abs anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Strangely buff for a little dude. Buff and nice little ponytail. Come on, you got to give him that. <laughs> Ditch the glasses, got a ponytail, kind of manned up the beard, beard even. So yeah, but, uh, but I thought that was awesome too because in traditional. Borderlands fashion, it can't just be that, you know, all of the evacuees landed and went on with their lives. No, they couldn't figure out what to do, so they became the children of Helios. <laughs> Brilliant. Especially when he's walking through the camp with Reese and they're all, like, kneeling and bowing. And I'm like, why are they... Man, they really like Vaughn, and then like this the 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 shift of no no, they're bowing to you because you freed them. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> what a that is the most borderlands thing they've done yet. <laughs> so at this point, Vaughn, well, he hasn't revealed himself yet, but he takes down the 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 dude who's been abducted. Reese and Fiona, and then they all go to because they decided to live in Helios, of course. So go back to Helios. Where else are they going to go? Exactly. And then you have the the interrogation of who's playing good cop, who's playing bad cop. <laughs> and I watched that a couple of different ways, and it's hysterical, whichever one you choose. <laughs> and that's where the big reveal comes. And I again, I was floored. I was I was not expecting it. And and it's I fucking cheered. A, it was just a really, really good moment. It was that moment where again you're watching that the panning and the the smoke and the explosion from when Gordas is taken out and you see Loderbot and it's like Damn Yeah. <laughs> it's like from his point of view, you betrayed Gordas. I was like, No, I didn't. I'm sorry. But how often are we getting games nowadays? That are giving us that level of surprise. And not just from talking with and seeing that Joe was in the same boat, but again, the playthrough that I watched, dude had his mouth covered and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I was waiting for it. And it was like, it was just as fulfilling watching somebody else go through it because it was surprising. You just, again, Loaderbot doesn't fit into what we've just seen. It does. And it makes sense once you've gotten all the clues, but because we've had so many episodes now where we see this as a humanoid and it's completely, it's got its own story. See, for me, mm-hmm. like, as soon as they introduced the Jack exoskeleton, I was like, okay, whoever the nomad is, is one of those exoskeletons. And it, it took me a little while to like go through of like, who could it be? Could it be Jack? Could it, and then I was like, no. It has to be loader bot. See, and I didn't. I didn't think that. I thought that it was going to be one of those things where Jack takes control of the exoskeleton, like the exoskeleton, and like starts going after people somehow. That's what I expected. I totally did not expect loader bot to be to be there. And then even after it was revealed, like I had this incredulous moment where I started going back through some of this stuff in my head. I'm like, no. See, no. What, what finally gave it away? Like, once I had accepted the endoskeleton kind of theory. The fact that it only had one eye was like, oh, like that was that was the final the, the last big clue for me. See, I was more inclined to believe that it was one of Valerie's henchmen until Kroger showed up. And then I was even and thinking I'd already shot the other guy in the face. <laughs> yeah, I didn't shoot my dude, so so that was a possibility. And then hell, I would have believed even more freaking Patrick Warburton coming back. 
<laughs> like I was thinking, there like was a brief second where that thought crossed. Yeah, back. but they found a way to revive him without a face, and that's why he wears the mask. <laughs> I mean, why not? It's Borderlands, and it literally was my my go to <laughs> for a while. I was like, yeah, it's got to be Patrick Warburton. I want to hear Patrick Warburton's <laughs> voice at the end when he takes the mask <laughs> off, face is gone, and is like freaking Darth Vader. <laughs> I'm your father. Oh no, I'm just kidding. You know who I am. <laughs> So, and then they start hatching the plan of how they're going to take this creature right. down. And you have a choice of you need another team, which I love the meta I'm of. I'm not the only one who thought this was literally the worst plan I've ever seen, right? It was a very well, Borderlands plan. It was perfect. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Brick came up with better plans than yes. this in the comic. Yes, he did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but... This is now where you have choices, where your choices mm-hmm. have mattered, because you're given the choice of Zero, Athena, Springs, which is Athena's girlfriend, August, Cassius, Felix, or this mysterious hire, which I don't know anybody who didn't spend all their money as they were playing. No, no. I. It's not about how much money you save up, actually. Oh, no? No. Okay, well, I'm waiting. If you now the only one that I didn't have available aside from the secret one was Felix because I kind of blew him up. Right. If you don't blow up Felix, you have the option to recruit him. And when you do, you get a small cutscene of him giving you a briefcase full of money. Ah. And that's how you can afford it. Damn. Okay. Do you want to know yep. who it is? Yes. Frag trap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because of course. That's awesome. The most useless character in the history of the franchise. That's awesome. That is freaking awesome. <laughs> well, see, my choices were very limited because Springs wasn't happy with me. Zero was like, you never said you were a vault hunter, so I don't want to hang with you. <laughs> uh, Cassius, I, I used Cassius. Felix was dead. Oh, my God. I have to see what Cassius did. So I had Athena, Cassius, and uh, August on oh, my man. team. So... But I, the playthrough that I watched had Athena Springs and also August. But it was cool because you got to see the relationship between Athena and Springs. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, because I had Athena Springs and Zero, which was awesome. So hearing them talk about their wedding and everything uh-huh. and, and the the joke reference to that's the last big one you're going to see for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but... I really Cassius was freaking stepped up to the plate. He he was awesome. He was funny as hell. And then Athena was Athena. So that was and August was kind of boring, but man, eh, whatever. But yeah, yeah. I didn't pick August. Who did you have, Joe? Who did Joe? I had Zero, Cassius, uh, Athena, and then Motorbot and yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Zero when you're finally in the, the big climax was hilarious. He did the thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. He's going to do the thing. He did the thing. Okay. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. When, 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 when they finally get to the Power Rangers segment and he just sits down and like goes into a Zen trance and Reese is like freaking out until he does like his little zero teleport thing. Ah. <laughs> Can I tell you how happy I was? Oh, all of them got sucked yeah. up into, into Gordon. Oh, was that was like, awesome. Oh, God, Ludacris. <laughs> Just when you think things can't get any more ridiculous, somehow they top the finger gun fight from episode four with this insanity. 
when, when Gordis is doing the finger shots, I'm like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. Once <laughs> again, going that's back to my original statement that Gordis stole this. When you see Gordis going, oh, you mean like this? I, I, have those. I was like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> Screw this robot from Star Trek that we've got now that you can buy the little minis. I want a little mini Cortis. That's what I want. <laughs> I still love when they were explained. Like I think my favorite my favorite thing of that entire sequence was when everybody gets sucked in and Reese goes to explain to Athena what's going on. Athena just rattles it off and he goes, uh, y- yeah. She goes, I'm really good at my job. And I was just like, <laughs> it was like so, such fan service. I don't care. It was one of those things where we've played enough Borderlands games. Or I, sorry, we've played enough Telltale games to see how they're constantly trying to be original with gameplay mechanics at different points in the game so that you have that feel of the original IP and where it comes from. And also them being just original in what is happening and what you have to do. And they're doing that. Is this your lead up to saying you failed epically at the Street Fighter controls? No, I missed one. (laughs) That's it. I missed one (laughs) motherfucker and that was it. But what I was saying is that I get into this thing and I'm thinking, oh, here's where they're going to, you know, make us do something stupid and it'll be just a waste of time and stupid. Case in point, the firewall thing kind of thing. But this was fucking epic. It was just so much fun. Fun, And especially when the rest of the crew gets brought in as well. And now all of a sudden, each one has their own special moves that they do. Like the stuff for Springs was awesome with the freaking jetpacks on the legs and flying around. And I'm going, I would have loved that. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. And August has got more of the Street Fighter moves kind of thing. So there was, it was, again, it was so fun not just playing through it but watching case in point again not just the 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 charges on the leg things but i don't know if it was athena i would think it was springs because i would have seen it if it was athena one of the moves is this karate kick where she's just kicking high and low and high and low and high and low and i'm going dude that was awesome (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was a good mechanic the whole bit of teleporting into the creature to get to the, the the gland was a little kind of like, okay, I'll go with it because it's a Borderlands game. I like the mechanic of making all your choices and then it kind of goes through really uh-huh. faster. It felt very much like Fallout 3 kind of thing. They're, they're, what was that? VRV? The VATS. V, yeah, that, mm-hmm. exactly like that. But it worked and I was all right with it. The whole thing with Sasha, I'm going to stay back and fire cliche trope, but, well... All right, you're setting it up, and I can see where you're going with it. Some, sometimes you need it. that traditional, you know, overdone, overdone and overblown drama to balance out the absolute ridiculousness of, of everything. Uh, yeah. And yeah. to be fair, had it been any other character, I probably would have complained about it, but it kind of fit with her MO. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then of course, they do wind up beating the, the vault monster in, in epic fashion. It was. <laughs> They Voltron the shit out of it. It was freaking <laughs> awesome. When it blows up and you're like, oh, Sasha was in there. And when when, when they go and they look for Sasha and they find her, 
And once the again, fact that there's guns all over the ground was, was awesome. Yes, yeah. And <laughs> the when they find Sasha, and she's dying, and she's not doing good. And once again, I'm watching dude on the stream <laughs> who's played through life. <laughs> It's strange, and now this, and he's like, "Oh God!" And he's wiping at his eyes, and he's just not. Doing good. And I know what's coming, but it's like, "Oh God!" And and it was good. They could have left her dead, and it would have been just as impactful. Of course, it's Borderlands, so it has to be funny. But it it was for that few moments. You're like, "Oh damn, yeah. that was well done." And it was like. Guys, I'm still not there, dead. There was, there was almost an actual retro, record scratch there. Yeah. Yep. But it was it was freaking cool, and the watch bit with the as corny yeah. as it is, time heals all wound. Very much a Borderlands thing of just these random things that can heal you, kind of thing. <laughs> I love Gordas. What a roller coaster ride of emotions, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gordas. Uh, and then when Gordas is thanking Fiona, I'm going, God, that's so cute. And then hugs Loaderbots. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. The two of them, like, walking <laughs> off into the distance. We need a mini series. <laughs> who was publishing those? It wasn't Dark Horse, was it? The other one? Uh, I can't remember I who it was. It was ADW. I think you're right. Yeah, we need to get them to do <laughs> Loaderbot and Gordas series. That would be awesome. <laughs> and then the heading into the vault and... Uh, and, and then that that's all exposition at that point, talking about who's going to do what and moving forward and whatnot. I, I kind of found the ending at the, with the vault was, it had ramped down so fast at that point that I was like, okay, let's just get through this. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> sure. Whatever. I've been through so many emotions in the last half hour. <laughs> but then I got what I thought was probably the, the, what made it very happy for me, they disappear. Yeah. They don't get the loot. They don't walk back. There's a flash of light and they're gone. Yeah. We do Let's not be have honest, closure This is yet, the folks. first time in Borderlands history someone has successfully opened and a vault. vault. Yep. <laughs> That's what I thought as well. And so you're watching and going, hmm. Okay, well, they're either setting up for a sequel. Which I'm okay with. Or I'm telling you right now, Fiona needs to be a playable character in Borderlands 3. I would she be is so a vault hunter now. Actually, you're right. That would be awesome. That would be bloody awesome. She's One got gameplay mechanics percent. already that they could easily meld in. She's got her gun that springs out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The different elements and all that. It, it, that's where they need to go from here. Yeah. We'll do a Tales from the Borderlands 2 later on. But Borderlands 3 needs Fiona to be playable. Yeah. That's awesome. Once again, amazing exit music playing through with the credits and everything. That was was brilliant. So Joe, again, sell me on what it was about this one that took the cake for you. Because it fit. It wasn't so much that it was, I wouldn't say it's not that I expected everything that I got out of it. It was enough of a twist, but enough of a feel that everything about this episode fit with the feel of everything else. And at the end of it, it, it's, it's not like, I don't feel like my decisions didn't matter because as far as I'm concerned, while this particular sequence ended, 
there was no closing point. This is open-ended. There's so much possibility of where this can go from here that I'm sitting there looking at everything that has transpired throughout this entire this entire game, all five episodes, and I'm looking at that endpoint, and I'm like, holy shit, what the hell can they do now? Because this is canon content. Everything that's happened here is canon to everything that will happen in, in Borderlands from here on out. What the fuck else are they going to do from here for both games? It's just ripe with possibilities, and I love that feeling. And that's what's sold for me is that I don't feel like I, I don't feel like it's a close point. I don't feel like there's nothing more to do here. I feel like all this does is turn that entire world into another spin. See, you're much more, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong or, or, or right, but I think that the it, it was the closure of Life is Strange that bothered you more that it's done as well. Whereas this is just far more open-ended in where the story can go from here. So it's almost as if the story has not ended. Possibly, but I also know that as far as where my emotions were concerned, nothing in Tales from the Borderlands made me feel emotionally detached from the, the story or characters. Whereas episode five of Life is Strange hit a point where my brain was just like, I'm done being emotionally attached to anything that's happening right now. Right. Okay. So and I think that's more what it is to me. I do like the idea of the canon that is now introduced from this appearing in Borderlands 3. I I really like that a lot. And I, I'm actually really hopeful that that will become a reality. The idea that Loderbot and Gordis can appear in 3 and have these fantastic stories, like freaking C-3PO and R2 throughout various gearbox games now and it's because of this and if you haven't okay. played through this you won't pick up on that on, on how mm-hmm. glorious that is i love that idea now here's the important question who's going to show up in the next poker night at the inventory oh dude <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna put my money on Loderbot and gordis together oh it's a team Okay. Well, Why Sam not? and Max were Sam both and, there. For Sam and Max, yeah. So. I think it's going to be both of them. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be freaking awesome. <laughs> Although I, I would love to see. like Vasquez at the table. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> we need Patrick Warburton there. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> they need to make it so you can have an entire table of just Patrick Warburton characters. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally be down with that. <laughs> okay, Vince, closing thoughts on Tales from the Borderlands. I 100% agree with everything Joe said, although you know, I we've talked about why I felt Life is Strange was personally stronger. But I, for what they did, like look at where this series started. I'm like, okay, it's just going to be a fun, goofy ride throughout mm-hmm. the Borderlands universe to where it ended. And that escalated quickly. Both, yeah, both emotionally and just in scope and flat out fun factor like this blew away any of my expectations that i had for this series one of the things that i will say and this is also coming off of the fact that we know that don't nod was still working on episode five up until very recently Mm -hmm. it did very much feel as if it wasn't as polished now luckily that worked with the type of story that was being told very luckily. And it was much more spontaneous and free. And, and I was all right with that because it worked with it. Whereas if you look at tales from the borderlands from one to the end of five, that shit was scripted tight and 
Mm-hmm. There, there, nothing was Telltale's rushed. Telltale's been to this game a couple of times. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is what I took from both. The only saving grace that Don't Nod had with Life is Strange is that it fit with what they were trying to accomplish with five. So that feeling of rushed and just writing whatever and getting it out kind of thing fit with the story. And they're damn lucky it did because otherwise they would not have landed that ending. But because of the type of story that it was, it it did work. So I I hope that life is strange has met with enough success that whatever don't nod wants to do next, they can have the time, the money and the support from their publishers to do it the way they want and to do it right. I agree. I agree. So that is going to wrap up this insanely long episode, which is going to take forever to edit. <laughs> That's okay. They have a and d episode to hold them over. <laughs> Every once in a while, I think, and I did the same thing with D&D episode. I think I'm just putting this shit out unedited. And then I start editing just a little bit and a little bit. And then it's like three hours later, it's like, oh, I might as well just finish <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys for listening to the few people who joined us in the chat room thank you very much of course you can find us in the chat room at forthelore.com slash live on Mondays at 7pm Eastern Time you can find us on Twitter you can find us on Twitter at forthelore or individually Joe at Loaders at J Vince at Simodian and myself at Zen Buddhist and you can leave us your thoughts on uh, Twitter and on iTunes and on Stitcher and of course on the site and with that we will talk to you guys next week we're going to be having our first Shatter Run. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's our DM. That's what you can expect. Uh, to be perfectly honest, he could be the nicest DM in the world and Shadow Run will still fucking kill us. That's true too. So make sure to join us next week. It will be a lot of fun. Take care. While I quit my job down at the car wash, I left my mama a goodbye note. By sundown, I left Kingston with my guitar. Jesus Christ, two hours long. <laughs> I, I told you. Yeah, really? Were you surprised? I was expecting an you, you hour. Were to talk about other games because I don't know. If it's I'm not other right. games. It's not any other games. <clears throat> it's Life is Strange is the only one that does this to us. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock and it's like, damn, 45 minutes in, we're not even freaking done. Life is Strange. What the fuck? <laughs> oh look, we're passing an hour now. It's just I, that I game, and and that, and that we had to cut it back like we could have talked about this game for three hours Mm, easily all right (laughs) i'm hanging up on you jackasses (laughs) so i slept in the hobo jungles i roamed a thousand miles of track till i found myself in mobile alabama had a club they called big jacks a little four-piece band was jamming so i took my guitar and i set in I showed them what a band would sound like I was a swinging little guitar man Show them, son Thank you for listening to For the Lore Each week the show is broadcast live On Mondays at 7pm Eastern Stop by forthelore.com Slash live to join the conversation And have your thoughts discussed on the show If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast.